0: Hi guys, welcome back to Nevertheless She Persisted, a podcast with Sadie Sutton. Today I'm here with one of my best friends in the whole world, Maya. Hi guys. And we're going to talk a little bit about what it was like from her perspective to see me struggling going to treatment and then coming home again. A little bit about her advice for listeners as far as doing with everything mental health related, supporting people who are struggling, not taking on too much from other people. Totally. Um, and all that. So, yeah. So, let's get started. Your opinion. What did you observe when things started yeah. taking a downhill. Well, for context, we met each other in fifth grade. Um, if you've been following the series, I started to feel really depressed around seventh and eighth grade, um, and left home around ninth grade. And we were in school together that whole time, but only really became super close right before high school started. Yeah. Um, so yeah, given that context.
1: Yeah. So as Sadie mentioned, like I've known her since middle school basically. And, um, it was, oh, yeah, um, I guess before, there there was definitely a noticeable change from when I first met you to seventh or eighth grade when you first started dealing with depression and anxiety and all that. And I think, like, for me as an outsider at that point, I wasn't super close with you, so it wasn't something I felt like I could talk to you about or, like, you know, I could ask, like, oh, like, we could make small conversation and sh- exchange pleasantries, but it mm-hmm. wasn't like I felt like I could ask you how you were feeling or ask you if there was something I could do for you or stuff like that because it just didn't feel like... We were on that level, if that makes sense. And I really wanted to be able to because I, like, I I noticed that there was a difference and I, like, really liked you as a person. It just didn't feel like we were close enough. What do you mean when
0: you say you noticed there was a difference?
1: I think it was partly, like, less engagement when we were at school, not just in classes, but also, like, in social situations. Like, being more resigned, but also being, like, more self-deprecating. Like, Mm I noticed especially in, I would say especially in, like, end of seventh to beginning of eighth, like, I remember just when you spoke, it everything like was self-deprecating. Like you couldn't Mm -hmm. talk about yourself or talk about how you felt or talk about like what you were working on without it somehow being some like self-deprecating thing where it was clear that you didn't feel confident or like Mm -hmm. secure about it. Um, So when that started happening, it was like, you know, sometimes people do that for attention or people do it just because it's like a socially acceptable thing mm-hmm. to like, like be that's, self-deprecating. It's so weird
0: how like now in our day in society, people, you'll be in conversation with so like, oh, my God, I hate this. I want to kill myself. Yeah. Or like, oh, my gosh, I hate myself so much. That was totally. so embarrassing. So to some extent in our day and age, that's pretty common to hear in conversation. But there's definitely a difference between people saying that because they hear other people say it. and totally. they think it's just normal. And people that are saying that because they genuinely believe it and they're just trying to somehow express the emotions they're feeling.
1: Yeah, and I I think, like, it's so, like, prevalent, like you said, like, to hear people use vocabulary associated with actual mental Mm -hmm. illness and just using it casually, it's really horrible. And I know that when people do it, sometimes when I, for example, know that someone in a friend group is experiencing one of those things Mm -hmm. and someone else in the friend group who doesn't know that says something that uses language that really should only Mm -hmm. be used in a medical context, you can tell that that person feels kind of, like, not validated for what they're going through. And I think that definitely contributes to what people mm-hmm. feel, especially in middle school, because, like, there's no education about mental health until I you're... I totally agree. In, like, high school. And even then, it's, like, kind of, honestly, like, poor edu- It's not, like, well-rounded. It doesn't cover multiple perspectives. So, I don't know. I think in middle school, it's especially hard because people don't know how to deal with mental... People who are experiencing mental illness and also, like, don't know themselves what mental illness looks like at all. Like, they don't even know how that could manifest. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I guess that was kind of my situation when I first like noticed it, quote unquote, noticed it. Like it was more just like an observational outside perspective where it was like, oh, like this seems a little further than the normal middle school Mm self-deprecating comment. Um, It seems like there's like some underlying thing happening and it like is concerning, but I also couldn't ask you about it. So that was that. And then, you know, when did I, I guess, I guess we became like closer friends. We were close before you left. Mm -hmm. um we ran cross country together yeah that's what it was so Mm -hmm. freshman year so freshman year we were really close Mm -hmm. freshman year was probably like the year when we really solidified our friendship I feel (laughs) like and in freshman year it became really explicit like I knew how I knew exactly what you were dealing with at that point because we talked about it Mm -hmm. and there were times when you literally told me like I feel like I want to kill myself. Like, it was very explicit. It wasn't any more just, like, language or, like, casualties in conversation. Mm-hmm. It was, like, we talked about it to a really deep extent. Yeah. Um, and, like, some of the biggest issues you were dealing with, I felt like I had heard you say them to me explicitly or we talked about it casually. So, at that point, it was, like, more than just a small conversational thing. It was, like, very a very glaring thing in everything we talked about. Mm-hmm. And it kind of pervaded... All the conversations we had not in a bad way but just like <laughs> it was kind of this focus um because we both knew it was something you were struggling with at that point um so I guess as a friend at that point the hard thing was like how do I know when it's time to reach out to an adult and how do I know when it's like Sadie's going through something but like it'll be okay, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense? Like, this is just a one-day thing? Or is this, like, something that, like, I need to talk to someone about because it's...
0: And it was also a special situation because I know we've both dealt with many times friends who are struggling and have plans to act on things. And they've never had any therapist intervention. So you can just go to a counselor, go to a teacher, get them the help they need, and things kind of go full circle.
1: That's another aspect, too. Yeah, we both had friends. We both had the same friends often Mm -hmm. who kind of... We would be in situations where they're, like you know, actively having suicidal ideations or planning and we're Mm -hmm. like, okay, like this is a situation where we have to do something. Mm -hmm. But it was different because they were in really different circumstances than you and I. Yeah. At the time Um, that you were experiencing. And at
0: the time when I was more open with you about what I was going through and what I was feeling, like I'd already had two or three hospitalizations. I had been seeing a therapist for three years. I was already on a variety of medications. Like it wasn't like it was like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling this weird dark feeling and I don't know what to do about it. Like I'm telling you. Like I was getting all the help that everyone thought I needed at that point. I just still wasn't happy.
1: Yeah. Like, we had a name for what you were dealing with. We had Mm -hmm. people, adults, and adults, and teachers, and parents. Everyone was involved. Mm -hmm. So, it was almost to a point where it's like, well, there's no point in me reaching out because they already know. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, I could reach out to Sadie's mom, but she already knows, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, I could reach out to this teacher, but this teacher already knows. Mm -hmm. So, it was almost like... I was in this difficult spot where I saw that it wasn't enough, but I also didn't know what I could do that was more than what was already happening. And I think that's where like you going away comes into play because that was ultimately like the best thing that could have happened for you at that point Mm -hmm. was like, that was the thing that we couldn't access that was necessary. Yes. Um, But at that point, obviously we didn't know in freshman year and all this was going on. And meanwhile, we're like managing the first year of high school. And I know I was like drowning because (laughs) I like could not deal. But... um, Yeah, so aside from it being freshman year and like, you know, being at a new campus and like with new people, I think like the biggest challenge like we kind of as a team faced as you were going through all that was just like, what do we do? Like, we feel like we've exhausted our resources. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is another, which brings me to another point, which is like, there is more out there than you think. Like, Mm -hmm. Like, I had no idea how some of this stuff worked. And obviously as a student and someone who doesn't experience it, like I can't, you know, know from an, inside perspective but there's so much more and there's so many resources out there that people just don't know about mm-hmm. and yeah what do you mean when you say like resource do you mean like different um different types of therapy or like different yeah I think like first of all it's like things like this idea of gen this idea of therapy is kind of generalized mm-hmm. and there is therapy for different issues and like sometimes maybe you're not getting you're not with the right therapist or you're not getting mm-hmm. the right type of th- the right type of therapy or like you're not doing it frequently enough it can be any of those things and like at least as a middle schooler and an early high schooler, I just thought it was like, oh, you just go to therapy. Like, it's Mm -hmm. just a concept in my brain. It wasn't something that materialized and Mm -hmm. I saw the effects of. Um, But then when, like, you started trying different things and these different methods and, like, you know, from different types of therapy to medication Mm -hmm. to going to boarding school, like, all that, um, it opens your eyes. To get more context and
0: go back about that, that, initially I was just doing talk therapy with a, marriage and family therapist, then I went and did intensive outpatient program with a program that had aspects of DBT but was mainly mainly cognitive behavioral therapy um, and psychotherapy. And then it was medication management with a psychiatrist or inpatient treatment, which was all sorts of occupational therapy and talk therapy and DBT, everything. Um, and then, what, what it came after that? And then deep, more DBT therapy, group DBT therapy, Group social anxiety therapy, like all sorts of stuff and all different approaches, um, which all had different pros and cons. And then leaving and going to an intensive residential dialectical behavioral therapy program, and then a therapeutic boarding school, which didn't really have one type of therapy they focused on, but they had a relationship based model. So, yeah, there was definitely a big variety of things I tried, and it, and even just from therapist to therapist who do the same thing they both practice dbt that's what they preach their approaches can be so different it's so varying in levels of effectiveness for different yeah. people yeah
1: yeah so that's definitely like as a friend and as an outsider you definitely like learn that there's like a ton out there and that anytime that you feel like you've reached a dead end and there's you know not to sound cliche like no more hope you know like there's always another mm-hmm. solution or something you can at least attempt and try um that's could give you the the um, results you want. Mm-hmm. So that's what I kind of felt like was happening freshman year was this kind of like difficulty with knowing how to deal with it. And freshman year, there were also times I definitely made mistakes as your friend in terms of like not reaching out when I should have or, you know, there were times when I felt like I could have talked with you more and I didn't. So I think as you a you fr- can't take fault for any. No, of absolutely. That. Absolutely. And I think that's part of it, too, is like There's friends no should mistakes not feel in a relationship. People yeah. just have
0: different degrees of like regret around things but there's not exactly so that's the thing I was gonna get to is regret Mm -hmm. yeah
1: which is like you know I'm lucky to be in a place where I don't have regrets about what I've done in the past Mm -hmm. um and for example there's one time I remember when you were like oh I literally had the suicide note and I like didn't do anything because I remember she talked to me and she'd be like oh yeah like I'm talking to my therapist about it so I was kind of like at that point I was like oh like she's talked to her therapist like what more can I do when in that situation I probably should have been more forward and more assertive but I think that's part of it, too, is like navigating the system is so hard and Mm -hmm. figuring out how to do it is part of it. So I think that while some of those mistakes can be like problematic, I think that as a friend, it was necessary for me to figure out how best to navigate the resources I had Mm -hmm. and also how to do it in a way that was actually helpful to Sadie, because sometimes it would be like I could do something, but that in the end might not be helpful to you. That could honestly harm you more than more than help. So Mm -hmm. that's like always a challenge, always a always a struggle. But yeah what else um
0: so you saw me at that point freshman year yeah um you were someone that I reached out to a lot while I was in Boston at McLean and then in Montana
1: oh my god yeah Um, I would call you like every
0: single week we had
1: phone combos we had a google doc are
0: you interested in making your own podcast too, download Anchor. I released every episode of Nevertheless, She Persisted through Anchor, and I love it. It's free. You can edit and publish your episodes from anywhere, and they put my podcast on every listening platform like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google. I definitely recommend it. They also have cool background musics, transition musics, and you can record sponsorships like this one. Be sure to check it out. It has everything you need for your podcast. Download the free Anchor app in the App Store or wherever you get your apps, or go to anchor.fm to get started again that's anchor.fm. we did we had a google doc guy um so yeah at mclean i maya was one of the people that i was okay to call because that was a very healthy friendship um and so i would call her every week and talk to her give her the update complain about like
1: I heard all about the weather, which of course we don't experience here in California because we have the same Mm -hmm. weather all year round. It's very snowy, Heard about snow, heard Mm -hmm. about brunches, Mm -hmm. heard about all sorts of activities. That was kind of fun. All your outings. Yeah. Um,
0: And then I started to get to talk to you more in Montana um, after probably like six months. It took a really long time for them to let me get to talk to yeah, you. Yeah, that, that,
1: that, that was probably the thing I felt most was that time.
0: Yeah, and that was um, grossly irregular that they even let me talk to you at all. Yeah. Um, so seeing that person that you saw leave for treatment freshman year and then the interactions that we had later when I would come and visit or even after I came mm-hmm. home, did you notice a change? Did
1: you think it was different? Yeah, I think the probably the biggest thing I noticed is like you were excited about things, And it sounds so base and like, oh, like, that doesn't mean anything. But like, there was literally a point I remember when you didn't seem excited about anything, (laughs) about anything. You would wake up and you would just, we would talk, but you wouldn't, you weren't excited about anything. Mm -hmm. And it was like heartbreaking because it's like, there's nothing I can do to make you feel like you want to wake up and do something the next day. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I have to watch you sit here and like, feel like there's nothing you can do and feel... I got really worried that we weren't recording. Oh my God, that would freak me out. Are you kidding me? 21 minutes of okay. not recording? Yeah, so I think that was like seeing you be excited about stuff, being excited about going places and doing things and like, you know, snowboarding and like <laughs> stuff where you were engaging your mind and your body and like you were excited to do it. Like you weren't forced to do it. You weren't like doing it because you like had to do it to seem normal or anything. It was just like you wanted to do it and you enjoyed it. That was like probably the biggest thing. And then I guess... I mean, I think our conversations changed a lot after you came back. Our conversations before um, I at least always felt like the check-in was super important and like we always had to talk about how you were feeling um, and it was like almost the core of what we talked about. Um, and when you came back it was almost like you you had the self-awareness like we didn't have to talk about it, you just mm-hmm. knew and you were able to like, you, like if you were in a spot where you weren't feeling good, you knew what to do next. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, it didn't feel like we would just talk and not get anywhere. It was like you knew what you had to do next um, to kind of feel better or like, you know, maybe it was relax your mind or like take a nap or whatever. Mm-hmm. So... That was like another thing. It's like a lot of the times before, I think we would talk a lot and I, f- I would feel like we were getting somewhere and then it would feel like you still felt the exact same way you did when we started the conversation, which of mm. course is, you know, it, that's just how it is when you have, you know, depression, and anxiety. It's You can't just like snap out of it, you know, like mm. you're in this spot and you can talk about everything, but it won't necessarily help. Um, so that was like, that was hard. That was really hard, I think, on both of us. Um, hard for me just because I felt like, I didn't know what to do, and hard for you obviously for very clear reasons, because um, you're the person going through it, but it was like hard, yeah. And coming back, I think it wasn't like that. It just all of that that made it, that any tension that there was because of that was gone. Like it was just so, if it felt so natural and it felt like, you know, it just felt normal
0: mm-hmm.
1: in a way that it hadn't before.
0: Um, so as a friend with to someone who is struggling or who is going through that, um, obviously, it's very important to not take on the struggles that they're going through. I feel like yeah. there was a lot of, as we said, we both had other friends who were going through things. I know for me especially, um, I would take on their struggles and feel like I needed to manage it, yeah. and their depression just fed mine, it just grew and grew and grew. Um, so it was very important to, it's very important to separate yourself. Um, oh, I don't remember where I was going with this. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, like separate yourself, like...
0: Yeah, um, how are you
1: effectively... Do you think you were effectively able to do that? In- I think, yeah, I think to some extent, like, I was... Mm. Yeah, like, I had a support system of my own, so, for example, my mom was, is, was and is um, my main support system in that anytime I felt like I was struggling or didn't know what to do, I could go to her, and when it came to supporting Sadie both as a friend and also just as someone dealing with depression, it was like, if I felt like I didn't know what to do, I knew I had someone I could talk to about it, um, who I knew would keep it confidential and who would give me honest feedback. Okay, anyways, so...
0: Um, important to not internalize other people's feelings. What other advice do you have for listeners who are
1: trying to support someone who is struggling with depression, anxiety, any of that? Um, number one is, like, don't be afraid to, like, ask for help, because at least for me, like, I was a st- I was like a youngster. I was a, a young, blooming, youthful, like, teenager <laughs> at the a time. Original mental health supporter. <laughs> yeah, at that time that I was um, friends with Sadie, when we started being friends. So, The important thing is to remember, like, this is not, A, it's not your burden, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um... Very important. And I think that also can become really problematic in friendships, too, is if you begin to see this as a burden, then it, be like, if it becomes something that you feel is a burden, you won't want to spend time with this person anymore. And I, the thought of that, like, terrified me. So I knew that, like, it was important at that time for me to prioritize our friendship over, like anything else that was going on so that it wouldn't pervade and kind of like, um, you know, infect everything that happened between us as friends. Part of it is like knowing that it's okay to reach out for additional help from an adult and like not being afraid to do that and knowing Mm -hmm. that even if, like I knew if I did it, like Sadie might be mad at me now because she didn't want me to do that, but I know that in the long term it's beneficial and that it's necessary and that I couldn't do it on my own. So that's part of it. And then the other part of it is having your own support system and, you know, making sure that you're not getting stressed out by this or staying up late or whatever it is um, because of it. Because then, it, A, again, it'll be harder to spend time with that person, um, which is just not not ever worth it. And then also it becomes, it could, you know, that burden could become too much on you. And so, um, yeah, part of not internalizing it is, yeah, is that. Sweet. I'm... What do you wish you'd done differently? Um, I wish I'd been I'd wish I'd been more explicit when you with you when we talked. I think a lot of the time I was afraid to say the word depression or say the word anxiety or talk about suicidal ideation. I was too scared of those words, mm-hmm. um, and I think it. Made our communication a lot blurrier and a lot foggier. And it was harder for me sometimes to know what you were really feeling, and probably hard for you to know that I was hearing you and understanding you because I couldn't verbalize it because mm-hmm. I was too afraid. <laughs> so I guess, like. Why was that scary? Um, there's a lot of weight to those words. They mean a lot, and I don't experience it, so I can't know what that weight is. And so mm-hmm. for me, it was like, if I say this word, am I a? Am I using it correctly? Like Right? Like it's both a medical word and like a mm-hmm. like an.
0: And this again goes back to what I we was saying about words that are used every yeah. day in society, totally. in conversation that lose weight. Like they are so for a while, triggered, triggered, was a big, was lot, a huge word used, used to say, a lot. Oh my gosh, used it's all so time. triggered. Yeah, which completely invalidates people experiencing post-traumatic stress disorder. Tr- right,
1: who actually have triggers. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, or, like, I'm so depressed, or this makes me suicidal, or, oh, my yeah. God, I have so much anxiety.
1: Yeah. Um, Kill myself, I think, was a big one, too, because KMS mm, was used a lot. And yeah. still is, honestly, still is used a lot.
0: Yeah, so it's a lot of those ju- that just get used interchangeably and lose weight and can be very invalidating. So especially when being serious and using them in a genuine way, you don't ever want to... I don't it's hard, because you see those used so lightly, and, yeah. it, and it makes them lose their weight. Yeah. And so... To assign that to things when it's not valid is, is a hard thing. Yeah. And I guess,
1: like, I guess what I was saying about, like, not being able to communicate and verbalize it, it's, like, because they become so colloquial, because everyone says it, it's, like, if I use this word, is that not validating what you're feeling, or is that too extreme? It's, like, mm-hmm. it's these two ends of this spectrum, and I, like, couldn't find what it meant for you, and so I was afraid to talk about it, and I was afraid to use those words, um... And I think, like, yeah, and I think people forget the importance of like language and vocabulary and like how it really can affect people. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I so much I'm fun. Sure I will have you back many times. I'm so ready. Guys, I feel like there's so much more we have to discuss. Well, okay, here's the thing. This was, like, a brief
0: overview. This, this um, doesn't even yeah, go into just depth. This is like, your opinion. But the number of conversations we have about mental health in society and, like, our opinions on This is, on like, what people, we naturally talk about. <laughs> so like, we just talk about this it. This is all of our conversations. Yeah. We, we didn't even get into today. So I can't wait for those episodes where we literally just debate back and forth about the pros and the cons and all the social media. of social media. Exactly. All that um, good stuff. The way the media portrays culture, mental so, health.
1: Silicon Valley mm-hmm.
0: culture. All that stuff. Um to cold stigma Stigma. everything Um, so yeah there will definitely be more episodes coming about that but thank you so much for coming today
1: I love talking to you thank Um, you for having me this mm -hmm. was so fun yes now we're gonna go see my sisters play oh my god I'm so excited it's gonna be so good it's a musical I'm like really excited apparently it's good these are these shows are notorious for being like hours long but I'm like so ready sadie's not expressing the same feelings as me but i'm telling you i'm literally so excited we have English. to like, go now though so thank you for listening be sure to follow the nevertheless she persisted podcast instagram
0: at nevertheless with ss the twitter at she persisted underscore ss and the facebook nevertheless she persisted podcast with sadie sutton to stay updated on new episodes dropping recordings behind the scenes content and all of that be sure to tune back in next week for another episode. Thanks for listening and let say PS nevertheless she persisted.
1: P S Wait, I'm not ready. I wasn't ready. I like <laughs> to go Okay, ready? And PS, P-S- nevertheless, nevertheless she persisted.